Hello. Yes, Mr. Ellis. <laughs> uh, I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Um, Anytime. I'm jumping into this relatively quickly. One, because I know time is precious for you. Yes. And number two, I, I'm also aware that something may occur mid-recording, not in a bad way, but it has a habit for like every half an hour just cutting off. I've, I've updated the app, everything is good and swimming, but just in case something goes wrong, I just want to jump straight into the meat and bones of this and make sure we can get <laughs> as much as possible. It's all um, good, man. As long as, you know, you made it sound like someone's going to, you know, come in with a knife or something. That That's what worried me, but it's fine, man. Oh, no, no. I see. I I live outside of London, so they're going to just bust through the door with a shotgun. So <laughs> they're not going to do the normal, the normal whole, like, intimate stab you with a knife kind of thing. No. They're too civilized for that. They're going to stand at a distance and say some some expletive and then just squeeze that trigger. But not digest. This isn't the time or place for, for cool conversation. It's all right, man. I'm always there with you, man. I'm always there. So I'm going to do a brief intro and then I'm going to crack straight on. Into oh, this. Um, but before the intro, I want to make sure you can hear me clearly and correctly. Um, mm -hmm. Going all right. Yes. Yeah. And just sorry, just to say as well, my, my name, Poupé. Some people say Pupe and all that. It's Poupé. It's French, man. Poupé. Okay. Poupé. There you go. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, all carbon-based beings considered, Welcome to the North Weezy Podcast, a space where we create, cultivate, and maintain the art of good conversation. And mm. on today's episode, we have the enigmatic, the charismatic, the creative, <laughs> the constructive, the also known as Mr. Action Hero Teacher, Mr. Carl Poupe. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. There's a lot of matics in there, man. Yeah, I, I tried. I try to do some alliteration every time I, I, I introduce a guest because they always have a, a habit of, of um, just inspiring me to, to say something crazy in the you moment. You should be a rapper, man. You should be a rapper. Oh, it's because I'm black. Bro, we've got... Racist. Okay, all right. All right, okay, all right. Okay, okay, okay. I'm joking, joking. Um... <laughs> thank you um, for having me my friend thank you for having me it was it was a no-brainer um yeah. it was you're one of the the many people who've trans who've transitioned from being a a person who i was aware of mm. to someone who i would genuinely reach out and be be inspired by to have conversation with thank um you. it's you um one of my other best friends and a work an old work colleague of mine mm. all formulated the basis under which I started this podcast. Oh, um, so it's basically a no-brainer of like, everyone's like, oh, Ellis, you like to talk, you like to chat shit, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I do. But it's also about the stimulating conversation to have the back and forth of the person. That's mm. that's that's basically the crux of, of where I'm approaching this from. Mm. And why, why I wanted to have you on is because it was just like, we've spoken... Ever since I saw you on the Let's Do Human podcast, shout out to, to Francis, of course. Big up, Francis. Not Francis. Um, uh, when I saw you on the, the Let's Do Humans podcast, I was like, this guy just, he gets it. He just, I, I, I can't describe it, but it's one of those things where I was, I was laughing along like I was in the room with you guys and I wasn't even there. Oh, um, 
And from then, I understood that this is someone to follow. This is genuinely a, a, someone who's invested in the community, invested in the the the, the space under which they work, mm. and genuinely interested in the progression of of the individual. Right. Um, and with all that being said, thank you, brother. Um, I'm going to give you a, a second to just to talk about what it is you do if people don't know you already, um, so that other listeners and people can just be aware of what it is you exactly do. Thank you, brother. You're very, very kind. I really appreciate that, man. I'm, I'm not paying you, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> my name is Carl Pupé. Um, I am a teacher uh, and an author of a book called The Action Hero Teacher Classroom Management Made Simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do, basically, I specialise in children that have got um, what we call SEMH, which is social, emotional, mental health needs. It used to be known in old money as EBD, emotional behavioural difficulties. So these are guys who will have difficulty self-regulating. They might have difficulty accessing the curriculum from a behavioural point of view rather than from an actual needs point of view, like if they're dyslexic or something something like that. And I was a NEATS coordinator, which is a NEATS Mm -hmm. in education, employment or training. These are the guys that basically left school, guys and girls and people, who left school Mm -hmm. without any GCSEs. And statistics show that people that leave school without any GCSEs can't go into access further education or they can't go into work. And I think they're 75 to 80% more likely to be involved in antisocial behavior, i.e. gangs, prostitution, drugs, being a victim or perpetrator of crime. So like the wise men in the men in black, we were the first mm-hmm. last line of defense. So we would come and try and teach them and get them in some, into some form of educational training. But unfortunately, due to uh, David Cameron and his, his boys from Eton, um, or <laughs> You know, the bullet, the, is it the Bullington gang? Bullying, I, I don't know, the, the gang he was I'm not about that life, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Sorry. part of a gang. Uh, Boris Johnson was in that gang as well. Um, <laughs> so the, under this <laughs> government austerity, austerity here, all, a lot of the youth centres got closed. That included yep. my path. And unfortunately, as we saw over the last three or four years, uh, killing, stabbings have risen because there's no, nothing for them to do. But I luckily had qualifications to go into mainstream schooling. I wrote yep. a book. Um, I'm a founder of the website, actionerateacher.com, which has done very well. And yes, it has. Um, thank you very much, brother. And I'm preparing my new book, Action Hero Teacher 2, which should be coming out hopefully end of the year or 20, early 2022. Action Hero Teacher 2, The Revenge. There you go. When the kids decided to <laughs> listen. <laughs> <laughs> the right thing, man. When, I, when I have my launch party, I want to get you to do the trailer. Don't worry. When I have the launch, party. <laughs> um, but <laughs> thank you. I'll, uh, I'll I'll put it on my list of of things to do. Um, just because read finishing your book and reading it in its totality is is another thing on my list to do. Okay. Um, reasons why I haven't finished it is because I'm I'm one of those Don't students like- who've described. No, 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 no. I'm one of those students who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we've described with um behavioral and learning difficulties or challenges um oh. so it it takes me an incredibly long time to read process and and uh, repeat information um, oh my because God. my my approach is not learning by rote sure. um which is one thing i wanted to to talk to you about sure. um, which is knowing that there are of course we know there are on average um, mm-hmm. 
let's say 11 intelligences that are out there the nine solid ones that we are aware of which is like kinesthetic emotional physical yeah. and logical Gardner. you know your stuff man howard gardner um, um, theories of multiple intelligences you know your stuff. yeah yeah so uh, well i i just pay attention stupidly to to many things that are around me but um <laughs> it's the it's as you know there are the the, the nine basics but i say there are 11 because you have the fusions of the two in between mm. um ones that work hand in hand so you can have the the emotional and the physical um where the person could be you know spatially aware and physically aware of their body and then be emotionally aware which is where you get like dancers yeah um and other 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 such creatives so it's it's that kind of thing that i was like heavily geared upon so my question as we approach moving forward is mm -hmm. what would you say has been just in your opinion, because we're going to flesh it out a little bit more, but what would you say your opinion is of, of education from 2019 to 2020? What would you say your opinion is of where it is and where you see it heading? My opinion of education, in fact, I, I'll, I'll expand on that. My opinion of education from 1970s all the way from the beginning to now um, is, is, is obsolete. Not even the beginning to now. Let me qualify that. I'm talking a bit of rubbish. But I would say for the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. um what covid has proven is that the way that we're educating our our kids is not working it's not working. fact um, i agree and i've been in education for about 10 years but the reason why i said from 70s i was talking about my own educational experience mm -hmm. is because the, the the education system is an industrial age invention it was born the modern education system was born in the in the beginning of the industrial age. So what we're doing is we are teaching 21st century kids in 18th century classrooms. Right, that's what we're doing. If I had a time machine and I can go to Victoria in England and I went to a school, all right, there probably weren't schools, but I could find a tutor. And I persuaded him to come into my time machine and I took him to a modern classroom. If you took away the whiteboard. You took away the speakers and the technology. He would not be flummoxed. Did you understand? He will understand this is a classroom. These are the textbooks. He could probably teach one or two lessons. Okay, his knowledge will be probably rubbish. But what I'm saying is he will know how to deliver in terms of pedagogy yeah. and stuff like that. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. The education system is it hasn't, and again, people don't know their history and don't know the roots of it, why we have an education system in the first place. The education is it to not teach people to be in factories? Isn't that basically 100% right? Because the thing is, when the Industrial Revolution um, happened and you had people like Isambard Brunel and all these people, okay, we think of Isambard Brunel in the UK, but of course you've got people like Carnegie uh, in America, mm -hmm. Rockefeller, whatnot, what have you. They had a conundrum mm -hmm. in the sense that they were producing things like cars and clothing, but we were still in an agricultural age. So they were like, okay, we need to get workers into factories. But is, there was no way to kind of tell who was as smart as the other person and you know things were going wrong so they said look we're going to help develop this education system to train people to go to work the reason why we have half terms people don't know this and we have summer holidays get come from the agricultural age because what the kids had to do was they had to go back to their um their their parents farms or whatnot and help their parents that's why we have in the summer to go and help with the harvest half terms was helping with the crops and it's still there to this day other nations do not have half terms so if you go to places like um korea uh mm -hmm. correct i'm sure somebody's gonna go no you're wrong it's not korea it's nepal um but in places <laughs> in <South> korea, <laughs> they have like literally two weeks for summer they're, they're working all year round and michael gove um famously when he was education secretary about four or five years ago went over there and said 
these guys don't have a summer holiday. Um, why do we have this summer holiday and we're falling behind? But that got shut down by the unions because it was like, no, we're keeping our summer holiday. But that, the reason why we have those six weeks is purely not for, for generosity, but was is for, for, the, for the people to go back and be farmers. And the grading, and again, we can go even into the IQ tests, which was actually a Nazi invention um, to grade the, 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 the prisoners. Yeah. But it's basically, it's run like a factory. You've got rows of tables where kids sit down and we process them. We literally, we educate them. So we give them books and texts. We ask them to memorize things. We give them A, B, C, and then we can start to stratify them and say, okay, this one's smart and this one's not. But the key problem, as you mentioned at the top of um, your answer was, there's so many different types of intelligence. And what our yeah. current education system is geared towards is geared towards academic intelligence, arithmetic, mathematics. So for example, yeah. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, Probably, I don't know how smart he is, but I'm, let me, I'm just making a presumption here. If you gave him a physics, advanced physics paper, you, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't know, maybe he, he has, but I'm presuming he, he wouldn't know what he's doing if you gave him an advanced mm -hmm. physics paper. But the way that he can control it, use his body to control the ball. And is that yeah, genius? That, was, that, was, that is, that is, that's a, oh, I remember that there's two of them that I remembered. It was a body kinesthetic. Yes. That's right. He, yeah. The thing is, people, it's like, I always have this argument with my colleagues where they say, you know, it's not fair that footballers get paid, you know, stupid amounts of money and teachers don't get paid this or doctors. Now, I'm not saying I don't agree. I agree with them in terms of the morality. Yeah. Of course, in a fairer society, of course, t um, footballers should be getting paid a million pounds a year. Ozil, who's left Arsenal, is getting paid £350,000 a week. But if you look at it from the cold, pragmatic, economic sense of supply and demand, mm -hmm. I can train a teacher within a year. I can get, if you're a degree educated person, I can get you to, you know, I can train you to be a teacher. Yeah. How can you train someone to be Ronaldo? The reason why you, you can't. can't, or Ozil, or Messi, because they're rare. That's why they're getting paid exorbitant amounts. And for your listeners, I'm not saying I agree with that. As I said, looking from a moral standpoint, I don't agree with that. But from a capitalist, mm -hmm. pragmatic, economic standpoint, there's only one or, two, you know, there's Ronaldo and Messi, the best players in the world. And of course, they're going to get the top so, money. Of course. So do you think that the formula is, is well, let me rephrase the question. Mm. The education system that we are currently working in from 2019 to 2021 mm. is formulaic in a sense that it gives certain types of students mm -hmm. um the building blocks to be conformist yes. so my question from that is so that's the super question yeah the super question mm -hmm. is education system is is biased mm -hmm. now that we know that what processes within that can we as parents or facilitators mm -hmm. or teachers or community members mm -hmm. help find the individuals who don't fit that box what can we do what i would say to that question is a couple of things number one i'll tell your listeners to listen to a guy called sir ken robinson he he's passed now he's late he passed away last year yeah. um he did the most famous ted talk i believe in their history uh and yeah i've seen it i was the first ted talk i ever saw fantastic the, talk. the guy was so ahead of his time and basically i can't even do him justice he is a hero of he's one of like my I don't like saying the word idols, but he's one of the teachers I looked up to because he asked a similar question, do schools kill creativity? 
Hell yeah. <laughs> this guy, fine. And this guy wasn't just an ordinary teacher. He was an advisor to Tony Blair in education. That's why he got knighted for his services to education. He went around the world and studied education systems and came to this startling con con conclusion. I'll leave that up to your viewers, um, viewers, listeners to listen to that. But one of the things he was saying was mm. that what we must do with our children is we have to help them find what is called their element. All right. And there's another guy called Robert Greene. Um, people should look up 48 Laws of Power, but he wrote a book called Mastery. And what Oh yeah. yeah, and it's a fantastic book. And what he was saying, what basically I'm going to combine their both their arguments is that you and I are unique. We there will never be another person. There'll never be another Ellis. There'll never be another Carl with our exact genetic makeup, right? And it goes deep in our genes. Yeah. The way that we look at the world and we perceive the world and see the world. There will never be another copy of us. There's never been one of us before history. There'll never be another one after us. We are unique. And what that does is that we are, our brains and the way we think about things is wired in a particular way. And we've all got a particular bent towards something. So for example, you might have a particular bent towards talking and podcasting. I have a particular bent towards writing. Ronaldo has a particular bent towards kicking a ball. And what they were basically yeah. saying was that we, what we do in school, this was Sir Ken Robinson's argument, is that we boil out the creativity. We boil out anything that is not fitting on an exam paper. So just say you have a child mm -hmm. who is kinesthetic, he's very good with his hands, okay? That child could become an engineer, not even an engineer, he could become a mechanic. He could become, I don't know, somebody that's an, an artist. artist. But according to... Can become a personal paper. trainer, could become, you know, a doctor, could become... So many things, but if if he has a bad teacher or he doesn't fill in the exam question the right way he'll be labeled as stupid and he'll never have the chance to explore those talents and those abilities so to answer yeah. your question i think as parents as people in the community if you see young people and they've got a particular and you know this right you've seen kids where you think wow you're good at drawing or you're a good singer or wow you're really good at english you know it's something innate to them it's something that, you know, you can't train it in them. You can't, it's something that is unique to them, right? Like I always mm -hmm. say this as well about singers. You've got someone like Mary, you know, like Mary J. Blige, who I'm a big fan of, right? In terms of her, mm -hmm. her voice is not perfect. It's not as polished as a Beyonce. It's not like a Rihanna, but her voice is so unique. And the way she sings and the way she does her falsettos, falsettos and runs, you know, that's Mary J. And that's what makes her mm -hmm. Mary J. Do you understand? And it's, it's yeah. her imperfections that make it perfect. And what you must do is encourage your children. If they've got lots and lots of interests and, and, and things like that, try and see if you can locate their particular bent. If they're good at, for example, writing, it doesn't mean they have become a novelist. It doesn't mean that they will become, uh, you know, it, it's not set in stone, but you need to be able to engage with them because you never know that that talent or that innate wiring of their brain will lead them into a <clears throat> too much are more likely yeah. to be successful so many kids one last point i want to say is so many kids go into the education system with and i think this is one of the cruelties of the education system we're saying to young people by the age of 15 you need to um, figure out your career path you're 15 False. yeah you're how are you going to know anything you barely know how to go to the toilet by yourself have you ever been to japan no you've never no. been i've never been it's like me saying to you all right ellis you need to pick a town in Japan that you want to live in. Exactly. Huh? Exactly. How no, I, 
what I, I only know that they've got the yen how can i now say good morning good afternoon and good night I'm to an extreme like example but it's, that's what we're saying to a young person you need to you need mm. to be a lawyer and accountant but you've never done law or accounting it's like me saying you need you're going to be eating pineapple for the rest of your life but you never tried pineapple so what ends up happening is obviously we want to listen to our mums our dads our caregivers but you might so for example fit say or right, i'm going to do law okay and then you get into law and you realize you hate law but by that time, it's too late. You've spent, what, 27 grand on your degree? You've spent all that time. Yeah. And then it becomes what we call sunk cost fallacy, meaning that because you spent that amount of time on it, you're less likely to give up on it. Then you hit middle age, you hit 40, 50. And then you wake up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pause. Time out, time out, time out. You just dropped, you just dropped a, a whole theory on, on my brain scap. My, my, my mind just did a backflip. So sunk cost what? It's called a sunk cost fallacy. And this what we as human beings this is what we tend to do if i've invested a lot of time and effort into something it becomes harder and harder to give it up so for example that's why you see on like dragon's den you know like on x factor and you see this person that's been singing like for 20 years and that's their life and they're a terrible singer and then you see like simon cow say you're a terrible singer yeah give up and then they say no i'll be back simon and i'll prove you wrong you know the reason why they're like that is because they've spent years and years and years on it right um, and wow. and they've trained and that's all they know how to do there was a young man a tragic story who was released from manchester city and he committed suicide he was 19 was he 19 yeah. someone will have to fact check me but he was a young man i remember he was young, mm -hmm. and he was released from manchester city academy so imagine his whole life i read the story his whole life was football from time he was a very young boy that's all he knew he went through the academy system but the academy system is brutal if you don't make the grade, you get released and then another team might not pick you up. So another team didn't pick him up. So can you can you imagine he went from the guy that was yeah. playing for Man City to now just being an ordinary guy? And, you know, because he, again, the sunk cost fallacy, all I know is football. What am I going to do? A young man, unfortunately, mm -hmm. tragically committed, you know, suicide. It's because we're so yeah. geared to something. And you've had it probably in your life where you're like, this work oh, yeah. or this relationship's got to work i've been with this person for 10 years or whatever it is because we put so much into it it's harder to give up and walk away from it and that is now the mm -hmm. the one thing i'll add to that is that there are exceptions sure. um and i'm not saying that those exceptions um are who we should look up to and i'm by no means saying that exceptions should be the standard under which people should live mm. their life. I am just putting forward the case that when we do consider exceptions, mm. it needs to be a very niche thing. Like we should look at their given circumstances, whether they're in an environment where it happens. Now I'm going to choose sure. two people, uh, sure. Rihanna and The okay. Rock. Both of them have acted sure. uh, the rock has acted in a different capacity and rihanna's acted in my opinion only recently even though she's done it for quite a while she's only acted on screen recently just mm. like the rock now the rock was acting from when he watched his dad yes. wrestling and when he took it up so he was acting he was fighting but he was acting at the same time and rihanna was was acting when she did her music videos from when she was 17 sure. 18 mm -hmm. yeah now, both of them have businesses um, and establishments and careers that have transcended mm -hmm. that. Um, 
But why I'm saying is that they are the exceptions where they were cultivated and grown in one environment and they now exist and succeed in mm. another environment. Mm. Yeah. So I think what we should always remember is that there is always room for development. And as much as there is a, a challenge that we are faced with, we should always look towards what abilities yeah. we have. And I know people say, oh, football's football, blah, 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 but that's only a limiting yeah. belief. If there is a, a conjecture that we can do more than what we are presenting with, then you can be a manager, you can be a sports nutritionist, you can be a promoter, you can be a journalist, you can be whatever. Now, not everyone who's gone from one sector to another should do that. <laughs> they should yeah. let it die. Um, but I think on the back of what you're saying, we should also consider the fact that we can always find another sure. option. And I want to add on to that. There's a book that I read at the beginning of last year which changed the whole way mm -hmm. of looking at everything. It's called Range. It's by a guy called David Epstein, Range. And basically, his argument was is that generalists will beat, or what he called super generalists, will beat specialists in our modern world. So let me just break it down. What does that all mean, what I've just said? Now, what we, we do in our educational system is that we create what we, specialists. What does that mean? You go in, you do your GCSEs. All right. Then you pick your A-levels or you pick a particular career path, whether it's plumbing or business, and you narrow, 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 narrow down. All right. You keep on narrowing down until you stumble upon accounting or a lawyer or finance, if that makes sense. So you specialize in a particular subject. Mm -hmm. Now, what mm -hmm. David Epstein was arguing in his book, and this changed the whole way I look at education as well, is that if you are in an environment, so he called it um, uh one was called Wicked, which I know that very well. And one was called, just say, a safe environment. If you are in an environment where it's predictable. So, for example, you know the 10,000 hour rule with chess, right? If you spend 10,000 hours on yeah. any particular skill, you know, you become a master. Right? He basically added a caveat and said, that's not true. If you spend it on a, 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 a safe uh, or sorry, a friendly, that's what you meant, a friendly environment like chess. Chess has not changed for hundreds of years chess will always be chess you can in fact memorize moves there's nothing there's no outside uh influences right you that ten thousand hour yeah. rule applies because you know that outside of that chessboard there's nothing outside of that chessboard that can change but if you look at something like coding uh -huh. where coding is you know code you know when you look at computer they're constantly the changing and evolving so i can spend ten thousand hours mm -hmm. learning just say javascript and by the time i've learned that is already changed. That's what we call a wicked environment. Now, where we find ourselves mm -hmm. in the world is that we find ourselves in probably an era of huge disruption, a crisis era, but I'd say a disruptive era where things are changing. The thing what people don't realize as well from an educator's point of view, we say to our kids, you're competing against you know, other kids. That's not true. You're now competing against computers as well. We are in the information oh. age, the AI know this already mm. if you think can i tell you one, one of the, the greatest salespeople? your amazon recommended list and you know what it is mm. it's not even a human being that's mm. running it think of your youtube it's an algorithm you algorithm. an algorithm that looks at what you've been looking at and it will predict what you're going to buy next and these algorithms are so good that's why the, the googles and the youtubes and the amazons are raking in that cake because the algorithm doesn't sleep it mm. can figure all these things out those are who you, you're competing with I listen to a, sorry, I'm going on a long path. I'm, I'm going to bring it back circle. I remember what I'm going to say. I listened to another podcast cool. and they had the head of LinkedIn. Uh, they had the head of 
IBM and they were talking about the future. And what shocked me is they said 70% of jobs in the next 10 to 15 years will not exist. So we're training kids for jobs that won't exist. To make it deeper, Facebook is only about 16 years old. Yeah, it's a teenager. Amazon's 20 years old. Snapchat is, is, is eight or I think eight years old. You know, these never existed before. And look how they've changed the whole game. So what you were saying was that the way we're, we're educating, our, the disruption is moving faster than the education of the kids and the computers are winning. They'll be, the jobs that we think are safe, like, I don't know, accountancy, are already being automated. You've already got QuickBooks and computers to do that. So my point that I'm making is this, and it's yeah. very simple. We are living in a wicked environment, an ever-changing environment. And if I was the education secretary, mm -hmm. rather than focusing on subjects like English and maths and whatnot, whatever you, we need to be teaching them so-called, in inverted commas, soft skills, how to learn, unlearn, and relearn, how to be resilient, how to be entrepreneurial, how to be business-minded. Because the days of the 40-40 yeah. plan, 40 hours a day for 40 years and you get a nice pension is done. My age group, I'm a millennial, I'd say my age, the government have already said, I will not retire until I'm 75 years of age. No, no, the no, average no, life expectancy no. of a person in the United Kingdom, a male, I believe is 74. So you're saying that, basically I'm going to work until I die. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to you because, <laughs> because the reason being is that again looking at demographics and populations we are having an ever increasing older population but actual children um, uh, they call it the silver tsunami the actual children to replace it is declining so in the western world we are yeah. having less children but more older people and older people are living longer All right, so that is why we have not got enough people to pay the state pension, to pay taxes, to pay for these old people. And that's why the retirement age keeps on moving. So these are real things. Mm -hmm. So our children might not ever stop working. This is the facts. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to summarize. I'm going to find an answer from what you've just told yeah. me. It would be then that given the circum given the information you've just given me would be a sense of providing an environment where soft skills can be cultivated and finding the resources under which that mm -hmm. person can adapt to the ever shifting yes. Yes. goalpost in yeah. the UK or US Everywhere, or Western man. world as we call it. Cool. Now that being said, I'm going to shift on to the other thing because I did want to talk about three things, but I'm only going to talk about two just mm -hmm. because we we always get. I can see. I knew there was a reason why you're the good one. You're the you're, you're the you're the gem on the you're the gem on the on the cast. Um, it's uh, mindset. Uh, now you and I have a, and I sussed it when I saw a post of yours from 2019, a tweet of yours. Sorry, I should say. 2019 i was like this guy's mm. on the same journey as i am um which is mm. about stoicism now unbeknownst to a lot of people basically i'm just exposing myself right now in the year 2019 i started sure. the journey of stoicism and it it has reformatted my mind it has changed my approach and has allowed me to become a more reflective person where i can find mm. what i feel and put an illogical amount mm. of logic in it now allow okay. me to clarify that statement we all feel mm -hmm. we all think 
and by feeling deeply, because I'm that kind of person who I, I have a mm. depth to my emotion, I put so many uh, clauses and walls and, and mm. stuff around it that my feeling gets lost or mm. my logic gets lost amongst, mm. amongst the two. Now, stoicism has sure. allowed me to reflect and become more clear and concise mm. with my intention, my thought, mm. and my feelings. So there is no separation. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, there is no merging. Mm -hmm. There's clear separation. Um, and I wanted to get your mm. two cents, um, just so we can color it in a little bit more sure. and go back and forth with it, with how you found um, the ben so how you found mm -hmm. the benefits of stoicism, and where you see it um, benefiting your so mindset. What I'll do is I'll just really briefly say where I kind of learned it from and what it is because where the, what how I got introduced to stoicism was through a book called the obstacle is the way by a, read it Love if it. you ask me if I'll if I'll, if we're gonna go on a plane touch wood and the plane had to make an, an emergency landing on an island and I'm not going to be rescued for about five to ten years and I needed five books that would be one of my five I couldn't tell you the other four <laughs> yes, right. you can, just not right because now. Because okay. another thing is, stoicism is not a religion. It's not a religious belief. In fact, is 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 not. And it's a school no, of thought. School it's of an thought. OS. It's a way of operating and seeing the world. And for me, mm. the actual title of the book sums up stoicism to a T. And it came from the um, emperor Marcus Aurelius, apparently what um, known as one of the last good emperors. And he basically said, "The impediment to action is the action." The obstacle is the way. And that is one of my favorite sayings. The impediment oh. action is the action. Mm -hmm. The obstacle is the way. So what he's saying is you might be confronted with a problem. All right. You might see a problem. Just say, for example, I don't know, your car got broken into. That's a problem. All right. Mm -hmm. It's not nice. And the word stoic, when we talk about the word stoic now, it actually is not the correct meaning. Because when we say someone it means that they're emotionless exactly. and they, they you know you can punch them in the face and nothing will happen to them that's not actually correct what a stoic would approach that situation no, is they say look i'm really ticked off i'm hacked off somebody's broken into my car okay somebody is not my car yeah. but what a stoic yeah. would ask themselves is as you said is to separate say all right fine this is the emotion but what actually happened you understand the stoic could as the yeah. ability to um look at it objectively as you said to inject some objectivity into um into the situation all right and be able to unspool it and 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 look at it from a different angle all your a stoic will do is it will look at a look at a problem and say can i look at it from a different angle can i see it as an advantage rather than a disadvantage yeah. so let's go into another scenario because that's not the best yeah. one just say you've got two individuals you've got and this is a true story by the way um you've People have lost their job. We know this. We're in a very, very tough time where people are losing their jobs left, right, and center. So yeah. just say you've got, yeah. the, uh, and I read this in the paper, I think the Daily Mail or something. You've got two women. One was a seamstress. No, both of them were seamstress. And they lost their jobs. Obviously, everything has gone down. One of the other women was like, all right, I'm going to give up. I'm going to go on universal uh, credit, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I've lost my job. I've lost my livelihood. You know what the other one went and did? The other one said, you know what? Okay, this is terrible. This is really bad. But what can I do? What can I do now? Okay, I can't get my job back. But what can I do? So the woman went on eBay and basically started to, to sew masks. And the woman now 
um, I read it in the Daily Mail, was making more money, double the money she made in her job because she was driven, because she looked at the situation wow. objectively and said, what skills do I have? What can I do? So she made masks. So, so, would, you, so would you say then that it's the mindset of the individual, uh, given the circumstances that determines the outcome that they, that they want? Mm, that's a very very we're going into deep philosophy look the way i would break it down is this things in life will happen to you regardless the thing is we as human beings need to find meaning we need to find meaning in everything we we are a unique species because we we make stories out of everything you understand so you know that's where superstitions come from if i step on a crack and my house gets blown up it's my fault <laughs> thinking and it's part of children's development what you understand is yeah there's just yeah. to forgive my friend shit happens sometimes things happen and oh, there's cool. no meaning that there's no narrative now what a stoic or you've got the you've got the the stimulus and then you've got something called the response so the stimulus is the event response is how you perceive yep. it so for example it's that classic, yeah. you know, folktale of a man who was riding a horse, a Chinese folktale of a man who was riding a horse and he broke his leg. And that was a bad thing. But then he didn't get sent to war and all his friends got killed. So would you say that him riding a horse was bad luck or good luck? It, it depends on how you perceive it. And that's what stoicism to me is about. It's a way of thinking and saying, how can I perceive it in a different way? How can I... How can I look at it in a way which is positive? Or how can I look at it in a different, different, another way? One of my favorite sayings as well is from a guy called Jim Rohn, who's a motivational speaker. And he said, you need to be like the ant in life. So when it's winter, think summer. When it's summer, think winter. So he said, in the, in the summer, the ant is, is working, constantly working, because he knows winter is going to come. So they store up all the food for the winter. So what yeah. I always perceive that is, when times are good for me, I always think, how do I make sure that if, because things will always change. If it changes for the worst, how can I look after myself? So if I lost my job today, what can I do today uh-huh. to save my family? You understand? When I'm badly, yeah. or things are not going the way I want it to go, I'll think, what things, what, how could the future look? How could it look better? What can I do to make my future better? So going back to losing my, you know, touch wood, if I lost my job, what can I do to improve my life? And it's a way of balancing your thinking mm-hmm. so you don't get too high, you know, too, uh, uh, you know, almost delirious, but you don't get too low. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of, it's a, about an equilibrium, the golden mean, as they would say, uh, as the Greek Socrates would say, not to sober in your mm-hmm. thinking, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's one, there's one thing you, you mm-hmm. highlighted that, it just always gets my mind thinking like if a look, I think there's a Zen Cohen that perfectly mm. reflects it. Yes. Do you know Zen Cohen's? So Zen Cohen's are, are yeah, are basically like quotes and, and situations mm. that uh, religious people would reflect on as they're meditating mm. or becoming aware of, of themselves. Mm. And I think this one that we say in passing, but I, I've been thinking on it recently because of my own personal circumstances hold a second let me see if i can find mm, it no problem, man. take your time cool so it's it's when when you can do nothing what can you do 
and a lot of people and I know a lot of my friends are like oh Ellis you go so deep why are you always going so deep it's because in the depth you'll find the simplicity and by finding simplicity yeah. you'll find the answers and if you can't simplify yeah. it you don't understand it doesn't matter how you feel doesn't matter what you think doesn't matter what you've done what journey you've had how great you yeah. are how small you are if you can't simplify it you don't know what you're course, talking about I love that so, I love that I love that um, it's what humbles me when I when I meet people such as yourself, um, my old teacher, and many other people. Mm. Because, and I, I didn't realize that the thought of that, of what can I do mm. when I do nothing, um, basically stemmed back from my 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 drama teacher sure. from secondary school. Um, imagine when I was like going through a, an incredible moment of of mm. grief. It was more than I could possibly mm. quantify mm. at the time. I've subsequently felt more grief and in depth that I didn't like, but I've endured and I've seen mm. the other side now um, that my, mm. my teacher, she gave me, she gave me two books. She was mm. also my English teacher. Um, she gave me mm. two books. The one I stupidly oh. lost, um, but, but the first book that I've held on to feverently with her post-it note of, of, just staying strong, blah, 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 was the capture wow. in the rye. Classic. Um, it is. And I didn't realize it was until I, mm. I got older. But in that scenario and in what she gave me, she was like, cool, use this moment mm. to learn and use it to fuel mm. this. And at the time, it was mm. drama. Mm. TLDR shortcut mm. spoiler alert i did <laughs> drama at a point in my life i'm not going to say to what capacity and those who know me will gladly expose me on twitter i don't care it's past life <laughs> try your best um no. but <laughs> but the point is they um they and my my teacher my friends mm. and all the people at the time didn't understand the fuel under which i started a project mm. or what i did and what as i grew older and as i've grown into maturity i've begun to understand that it's creativity mm. it's doing something out of nothing it's it's looking mm. at the dirt and running up a tree and taking out some seeds and plunging your fist into the earth and letting go of that seed and yeah. watching it grow and figuring it out never having an answer never mm. having a solution uh never losing a shit just turn around and saying i'm taking nothing turning it into something so again that zen cohen is mm. always reflective of especially now with my own thing that I'm going through, it's basically saying, what can you do when you can do nothing? And my answer is powerful. everything. It's powerful stuff. And that's, that's you've hit so much on the head. And that is what, you know, it's interesting because I was, as you know, I, 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 I stalk Twitter uh, and I like. No, 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 no. You find your wisdom on Twitter by exposing the <laughs> stupidity around you. I, I try my best. And what I realised, going back to what I said earlier, Let's go back to that young man that, mm -hmm. or young lady or young person that took law. I, I read a, yeah. a tweet, which was interesting by, I won't say the name. I don't even remember the name, but somebody was saying, look, I'm taking some form of antidepressant. And what shocked me, not the fact that they took antidepressants, was this particular tweet was answered by like 300 people. And they were talking about the different antidepressants. Wow. I don't even know the names of it of the antidepressants um, they were on. And again, uh, a disclaimer, I'm not saying that if you take antidepressants, you're any less of a person or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, okay? 
need medical help, mm-hmm. get sure. the medical help. There's no shame in it, whatnot, whatever you. But I think what my observation was, was that a lot of these people, um, you would consider from the outside looking in, very successful. Um, you know, especially in the teaching world, the head teachers, you know, consultants, whatnot. But what struck me, struck me was we, as a society, we build the outside, but we don't build the inside. So going back to the law thing, yep. and I knew people that, that did a similar thing. So what ends up happening, you do a degree, again, because of the sunk cost fallacy, you've already spent 20 grand, you go into, mm-hmm. mum and dad said it's a good career. Yep. You keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. You hit your 30s or mid-30s and then you, you you look at your life and you think, I never wanted this. I should have been a banker. This. <laughs> this is BS. Why am I doing this? The person that I'm with, I didn't even want to marry you. I just married you because you, you fitted my profile, the lifestyle. Now I've got a mortgage and I've got a house and I don't even want to live in a house. I wanted to go traveling. And then you talk about people doing, mm-hmm. uh, what do they call it? Midlife crisis where they say, they, you know, they're losing their hair and then they go out with a 20 year old girl and whatnot, whatever you, and they say, you know, they're mad. What What's ended up happening is that finally, because what we do is we stuff our feelings. I like what you said about feeling deeply. We stuff our feelings like, I want it to bake. You know, I want to be a baker. No, 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 no. Be a lawyer. That's respectable. That's what everybody wants you to be. And then by that time, and the sad thing for some people is that it might be too late. I speak all the time that say, look, too late. I know a guy, obviously I won't mention his name. He became an accountant. He earned six figure salary. Right, he's earning big piece. He's got a nice wow. house. He's got, in fact, his house is on like a like a lake. He's done so well for him. So everybody looks at him from the outside and think he smashed it. He's got a model wife, kids. He lives like on Greenleaf, basically like that. But when you talk to him, he hates his life. Mm. He said, "I hate my life. I wanted to be an architect." And I said, "Why can't you? You know, why can't you do it?" He goes, "Because now my family's used to a certain lifestyle." And I hate going to work and every day I just feel like crying. But I now I'm trapped. And I remember thinking, if only all the people that idolise this man knows what he's going through. And that's why you hear about people, you know, potentially self-harming or, you know. So what would you, that's true. You do, you hear countless scenarios of this. So my, my question to you is, what would you, what would you tell him? What would you tell someone like that? I can only I can only speak from my lived experience. I'm not like Yoda, but what I would say is that you have to come to a point in your life, and it's funny because I think this happens especially in people's thirties. I don't know why in the thirties. I don't know whether it's maturity or whatnot. You have to come to a point in your life where you say, "Okay, fine. What do I want to do?" And it's not that old BS, you know, do what you love or whatnot. But just say, like, "Okay, fine. I'm not happy where I am. I'm not happy being a teacher or an accountant or a lawyer. What do I want to do?" Mm-hmm. I like writing. I like doing films. You've got to, there's another great book you guys should read as well. It's guy, a guy called Michael Ellsberg and it's called The Education of uh, Millionaires. Brilliant book. Absolutely life-changing. That will be one of my five books, by the way. Um, it's growing, <laughs> See, exactly. told you it's Basically what you're saying was that you have to, it's the art of making a living, right? What that means is, mm-hmm. You have to come to a place where you say, all right, fine. So just let's take me, for example. In fact, I'm a great example of this. I, okay, I like young people. I'm a teacher. But I, I, one thing that I always loved to do was writing, whether it's writing raps, writing poetry, writing, okay? Mm-hmm. But obviously, because of my day job as a teacher, I couldn't do that until an incident happened to me, uh, not happened to me, but to, to, to somebody I cared about, which was, as you said, it's one of those life-changing incidents. Because I always put it off. I always said, you know, I'll write a book, you know, later in life when I'm 50, blah, blah, blah. But when you have that life-changing incident, 
yeah, everything comes into clarity. Into I was clarity. like, wow, we haven't got all, all forever to do things. And I wrote my book within a year and a half and it was out. And I said to myself, I don't really care. It, it, you know, there's always that resistance or thought like, gosh, you've never wrote a book before. Of course, okay, you've wrote things in the past, but you're not an author. You haven't been trained to write. Why are you writing? And I said, I just have to finish this. I have to get this off my chest. And if it flops, it flops. But the thing is, that book has changed my life. It's changed the direction of my life now, right? It's, changed, but it's, it's the thing 100%. of, you've got to find, somebody said to me, how did you do it? Like you had a baby, you had all these commitments because I, I needed to do it. I carved that time. And a lot of people don't realize you've got time to do things mm -hmm. if you really want. Okay, instead of watching The Crown or instead of watching Power, you might have to sacrifice an hour or two to do that that little hustle. And then use marketing and business skills. Yeah. You can make it into something, you know? Now, I have to be the arsehole of the day just by adding in this brief moment. Now, I'm in an mm. industry where I work realistically mm. 11 and a half hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when that statement always comes up, they're like, oh, you know, how can I find the time to do X, Y, and Z? Um, and then the response is, oh, you just have to make time for it. I think one of the, one of the areas we're missing to reflect on is the, the urgency sure. of impatience and also the level of um, connection that you have to the said mm -hmm. subjects that you're investing in mm -hmm. for an hour a day or whatever. Um, now, the example I always give to friends of mine or even strangers, which is if you can't do 10 of something, try yeah. do one of something. If you can't do one of something, do an adaption or half of that one. And by accomplishing that half or that fraction of that said subject or push up or whatever, you can then accomplish 10 of it later on down the line. Now you don't have to mm. do it for 10,000 hours to then become a master it because no Dude, one can ever master anything. The people who we look at stuff as masters, they're on they're a journey masters. and they're slightly ahead uh, than you. Let me exactly. let me break something down to you, dude. Honestly, and I said, because people said, how did you write the book? All I did was create a simple promise. Now, mm. when I first wrote my first draft of the book, it was 78,000 words. All right. I, 78,000 words. Wow. <laughs> my, my university dissertation was, I think, 20,000 words. So it was three times a dissertation. I got it down to 63. But all I did was I made myself a promise because it, it's that thing of when you mm. approach a creative task, it's that blank page or it's that, you know, that, that, that space before you start your podcast. I just said to myself, Carl, write a hundred words a day. If you write banana, 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 a hundred times, cool. You write, close your laptop, you go and watch yeah. power, you go and watch what you need to watch, but it's mm -hmm. starting. Somebody once right. said, or I don't know if somebody said it to me or I heard it, he said, all completing a project is, is literally starting every day. Don't think about the middle of the journey. Just think I'll keep on starting, 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 starting until I finish it. And that 100 words, and the thing is, the most painful thing when you're doing a creative project is, it's the starting. Once you get over that, it's kind of like going gym. Yeah. Every time I used to go gym before it got mm. closed, I hated it. I was like, oh, this is long, I'm tired. You know your brain will make pure excuses. Oh, man, good. Just relax, exactly. bro. You went gym three times last week. I heard an argument in my head. <laughs> oh, man, I'm tired. I've got marking to do. I've got this to do. Walking in there, bro. Oh, I just you could turn around. But as soon as I started on that tread, all that went away. And then you think, bro, 
That's it. Oh, this was great. My yeah. mind feels clearer. And that is the biggest thing is starting it. And also another caveat I would say, just say, for example, I wrote the book and it didn't work out. Sometimes things don't work out. It's fine. Don't put all your eggs yeah. and say, all right, I'm going to be a novelist or a podcaster. I'm going to be Joe Rogan. I'm going to be, you know, JK. Sometimes it doesn't work out. It's fine. <laughs> but you know what the, the beauty of it is? What I've found in life, when you try something and it doesn't work out, it will lead you to another door that you can go down another avenue to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I started off with a book. Yeah. And then during lockdown, because I was thinking, right, I'm just sitting here teaching and I started a blog. I didn't know what the blog was going to do. And I thought, if I've wrote a book, I can write a blog. And then the blog ended up um, 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 winning an award. Somebody just one day said, you, you know, you're the, one of the top 10 most influential um, education blogs in the country. I don't even know who voted for me. I'm not even saying that as a, as a br- humble brag. Honestly, I'm still baffed how I got that. But what I'm saying is, write, if I did not write the book, I would have not been able to do the blog. If I did not do the blog, probably I would have not even got to know you because my blog what fueled my Twitter. Because yeah. my Twitter was on like 10 followers. But writing the blog is what got my following. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? So one thing led to another. Do you understand? It's the constant starting. It's in fact, the blog mm-hmm. has done more for my book than me writing the book has. It's, it's a weird thing in the sense of I wrote the book first and then somebody said to me, you need to get on social. I don't like going on social, right? I don't, you know, for personal reasons and what I'm up, but what, a guy I know is like, come on, Carl, if you want to promote your book, you have to do that. But it's that starting. Mm. It's that starting. And when I started writing the blog, yeah. that's when more opportunities for the book came. So what I'm saying to your listeners is some of you might feel like you're trapped. Some of you might feel, raw. I've got two kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got a wife. I can't quit my job as a lawyer or an accountant mm. or a construction manager or whatnot. I'm not asking you to do that. But what I am saying to you is this. If you continue down that path and you don't listen to your inner, inner voice, you don't listen to who you truly are, you're going to get more and more depressed. Not sorry, let me not say depressed. You're going to find you're, you're going to become more and more unhappy in your life. And the beautiful thing about this is there's a tangible because people think, oh, we're going very esoteric here, very spiritual. Going back to what I was saying, no. the 40-40 plan is gone. It's not coming back. If you look at a lot of the businesses now in central London, they're not renewing their leases on the building because the whole point, facts, I was reading facts. this in The Economist, the whole point was like, okay, everybody's going to commute in. But now they've realised they can do the job at home. You know what the next step would be? Let me tell you the next step. If I was an employer thinking, okay, so they're all on the phones at home, but there's someone in Thailand or India, someone in, in Nigeria. I can pay them half the salary and they'll do the same job because now these guys have proven that they can do the job at home. That's what's going to happen. And now what I'm saying to you is this, the people, because you don't know what your side hustle will bring you, the people that have multiple different skills Mm. in the wicked environment, going back to um, David Epstein's book of range, those are the winners. Those are the winners because they can diversify, Mm. they can adapt. Exactly. Good at everything. So they... Do you know what? Um, that oof, oof. See, this is why it's so powerful. Just even talking to you and reading mm. like the content that you're producing, because it just it gets the for me. Even listening to it now and in the future, and before anything was even considered, that level of just consistency and awareness you, is brother. just second to none. And on that note, I want to draw this to a close. Um, no, thank you. I don't want to thank you. I want to thank you for, for spending the time to, to talk and, and theorize over subjects 
And again, if and I do want to put this in there as well, if anyone who's listening to this wants to find out more or invest in it or, or invest the time into you know being curious and educating themselves, I'll put some links and resources in in the show notes and stuff like that. So it'd be more than so we're more than ready to to find Thank you, you and you know just learn more. And I want to say again, as always, thank you thank you and thank you because this was just something you, you can't just you can't put a price on that things we were just talking about is timeless 100 years from now thank you brother you're too kind ready. man you're too kind so thank you for your time for the convo um, if if yeah of course thank you thank you did you want to you know yeah, yeah. give out your socials where people can find you or, or your blog yeah, or your no website problem. Listen, or your book all you have to do go to www.actionheroteacher.com all right. And everything, the link to the book will be there. Um, my blog is there. My contacts are there. If you want to get there, uh, talk to me on the socials. It's easy. I'm, I'm on Instagram as actually a teacher, but I, I, let me let you know now. I don't really use Insta. Insta's not my thing. I, I, I rarely look at it. I look at it once a week. If you really want to uh, dialogue with me and politic with me, find me on Twitter. I'm at Action Hero Teach. Um, all one word and then yeah hit me up tell me what you think if you liked it you didn't like it I'm open to everything so thank you um, Ellis I really appreciate the opportunity man no worries man I'm going to say that website again so it's www.actionheroteacher.com cool so that's A-C-T-I-O-N H-E-R-O T-E-A C-H-E-R dot com so actionheroteacher.com just because spill it out. I, I find it easier to, to say, spell it out. So then when, because I've heard websites, I'm like, <laughs> wait, how do you spell that? Um, and just saying it out loud and, and spelling out for those other listeners to, to grab a hold of it is so useful as we move forward. Right, Carl, I'm going to let you go. Spend time with the family. Go on Twitter. Get the Twitter fingers burning with all the conversations you'd be having. And um, thank you for creating the feeds and the edgy Twitter threads that we've seen consistently on, on Twitter because thank you, your content is always amazing. So big up, shout out, and thank you for the time. And of course, as Take always, care, appreciate stay you. amazing, bro. Take